Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. Wow, it's been so much fun to be here. It's like being at home, you know, family of God, just same heart, same tribe here. So good. Um, before I start speaking, I asked um, Connie, <laughs> I laughingly say, whenever we do those declarations and it says jobs and better jobs, she works for us. So I'm like, except for you. <laughs> she doesn't get a better job. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. So we just want to give you a couple of announcements. We have um, a couple of slides that the wonderful people back there are going to throw up for us. We are doing a in-person conference, and it's our first one since COVID. So 2019 was the last one we actually got to do in-person. So we're back to in-person. That's coming um, the last weekend in April. So if anybody's looking for something to do the last weekend of April, come to Redding, California, and be in this wonderful Abounding Hope and Joy conference. And if you can't make it, in person, we are also streaming the whole thing online. And so, and we have a powerful team of students. We have 14 students this year, and they're all going to be doing breakout sessions and just so much fantastic content. So that's one of the things. You can just take a picture of the QR, and, or you can just go to our website. Another thing we want to talk about is our Igniting Hope Academy. So we launched that when COVID hit. COVID actually caused us to expand all over the world. So Steve and Wendy travel to nations all over the world from the comforts of their couch. It's fantastic. <laughs> we have like 11 courses right now. And so if you go on to our website, you can go on to Igniting Hope Academy or you can go on to ignitinghope.com and then uh, just go to our academy on there. And it'll just give you a list of all of the courses that we have available. Some of them are evergreen. You can just access anytime, and some of them we do continue. But one in particular that I'd like to tell you about is our Transformational Mind Renewal course. It's actually a five-month course of intensive transforming your mind. But we actually have designed it for people like you who have other things to do rather than just sit home and do school all day. So it's like four to five hours a week, but very fantastic. And then the last one I'll talk to you about um, actually, this isn't a course. We offer what's called beliefs training. And so for those of you who have heard Wendy before, who have heard Steve before, the, one of the greatest gifts on their life is to teach people how to find lies, hear the voice of the Lord of what the truth is. And so belief training is something we offer these sessions to actually help you locate areas that are stealing and robbing hope from you. Because if there's an area of your life where hope is not residing then that area is underneath the influence of a lie. And so we can help you find out what those lies are. And it, but basically, it's like a, um, an invitation to hear from the Father. And it's crazy how quickly the Lord shows up because he wants to speak on his own behalf. And so anyways, if you look on there, we have um, what we call our certified beliefs trainers. We have a fantastic crew of highly trained people to help you do that. And so that's something that we really want to offer to the world. And we get to offer it to you first. Um, is there anything else? I think I've got my list covered. Just some prophetic words. Okay, and then, yeah, I have a couple of prophetic words. And so, you two fantastic pastors. <laughs> um, a couple of things. When you were worshiping uh, yesterday, I think it was. I, was it yesterday? I can't remember. Anyways, I saw, you know how when um, cartoons, when they will write out what a 
what a song looks like. It comes out in little leaf-looking uh, notes. And I saw them going into the airports and into the bus stations and dropping into backpacks and into briefcases. And it was like the words that are coming out of you have it's bigger than here. It's so much bigger than you. And this is such a, um, an international city that the words coming out of you are going all over the world. And there's a demand on the revelation. There's more than a fan, I mean, fantastic voice, fantastic face too, <laughs> but so much bigger. The, the music and the worship coming out of you has this breaker, crushing anointing on it. And I just see that, at, I just see curriculum coming out of you and actually how teaching people how to enter into the presence of the Lord and release the kingdom within them. And I saw over like the two of you together, almost like this Hessler anointing. And I saw these worship songs coming out of you that actually almost like, you're, I just I saw this picture of you like laying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep like you were talking about, you know, that fade of brainwave. And all of a sudden, here comes a new song and these lyrics. And I see you getting out of bed and having to write down. And I, I just see it's coming in piece by piece by piece. And there's this worshiping warrior anointing on you. And there's something so profound about this whole region being a region of warriors. People come all over the, the world you know, to train here and watch people train here. And I just saw that there's something so profound on you to raise up David's, to raise up just, yeah, all I could see is just worshiping warriors. And then I just saw that there's something really profound about a David being one that was drawn away. And I saw you have wrestled and fought and won battles that nobody even knows about. And so there's equipping in you to raise up these massive, mighty leaders. And I think there's something so profound on this church and on the leaders underneath you that it's actually transforming ministries and how they minister and how they hear from the Lord. And I see like how David gathered the broken and the, you know, the, those that are in debt. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but it just kind of is. <laughs> but I see you're able to raise up leaders out of anyone, anyone, any circumstance. And people, I just see there's a, a chapter that's being turned, like a, a time of deep mourning has ended, a time of sadness has ended, and like delay. I feel like there's been a delay on this celebratory thing on this house, and I see that that has broken. And I see, I just hear this. If you can get to that church, if you can just get into the presence that that thing's going to end. And I see people walking through the back door and long-standing issues like bipolar and deep depression in a moment. And that's on you and on this house. Amen. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this is yours, right? <laughs> we won't say anything. <laughs> Um, I want to give away a book. Um, this book, Victorious Emotions, that I wrote, um, I kind of struggled with, do I really want to even put the word emotions in there? Because a lot of people are like, oh, is that just to get out of bad emotions? <laughs> and this book is actually to get into positive emotions. You know, we practice our negative emotions. We keep going back to them, but... Most of us don't know how to um, increase the positive ones. You can actually do it on purpose. You don't have to wait till your next vacation. <laughs> but actually, it, it's, it's a training of the brain to actually be more positive. I had an experience years and years ago. One of our um, employees was with me on a trip, and we had driven 
eight hours somewhere. Oh, yeah, it was in Nevada because it was wintertime. So we drove eight hours. We did a whole weekend conference, and we were coming back, and we had gotten to Reno, almost to Reno, Nevada. It was late, and the roads were just ice. I mean, there were accidents all over the place. And so we were going at a snail's pace, and then pretty soon we just stopped. It was like there were so many accidents that we couldn't get anywhere. And I'm, I was super tired. It was like, oh, no, we're not going to make it all the way home. We still have another four hours to go, and it's already like 9 o'clock. And so I am preparing for you know, disappointment and being frustrated. And we're sitting there in this traffic. And my friend who was working for us at the time goes, oh, this is so exciting. This is the best part of the trip. <laughs> and I'm like, what planet are you from? I wanted my bed tonight. And she goes, this is the best thing because we can really bond now and we can, you know, she starts going off and I'm like, hmm, her brain works different than mine does. And I realize it's not our circumstances that is creating our emotions. It, it's our perspective. And so something just hit me and I thought, I'm going to write about this, about how do we actually become someone like her? <laughs> where we see the positive, where our brain is trained to have more positive emotions. Um, because it, it's not like you're just born happy and someone's born depressed. I mean, we do have chemical things that maybe is wrong with us, for mo but most of us, we've just re we have this habit thinking that leads us into heaviness that we can change. So I want to give this away. Is there anybody who does not have this? And just a fun testimony, even if you want to just give it away to someone else. Um, I was in an airport one day, and some guy comes up, and he goes, are you Wendy Backlund? And I'm like, yeah. You know, and he goes, my wife bought me your book, Victorious Emotions. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, and I read it, and it delivered me from post-traumatic stress syndrome. <laughs> so I was like, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God is so good. So... Just a few testimonies. I love testimonies. One of my favorites is my husband and I were speaking at a conference in Texas. And after the Sunday morning service, uh, they had a wild youth group. I mean, their youth were so hungry for God. They were always on the first couple rows, just involved, great church. And after service, they thought of this young man in high school that they knew who was into the whole goth thing, you know, the black lips and the whole thing. Anyway, so they thought, I think we're supposed to invite him to church tonight. And what they didn't know was that he had actually planned on committing suicide that day, but he thought he'd go to church with his people first. 
Don't you love how God works? So we're, we're sitting, I mean, we're standing up, and my husband and I are, are about to speak. We sometimes tag team and preach together. And I noticed him on the front row with the rest of the crew. And we get up, and usually my husband always will have people make a few declarations because, you know, he's like, you know, if you say something like, this is going to be the best day of my life, you're actually giving God something to work with. I love that whole concept. So he gets up and he starts doing a few declarations. But then he goes on and on and on. And I'm like, we have a message. I mean, he'd never done this many declarations. And most of them were about identity. And at first, I I looked over at, at this young man. And he's got his head down and couple more declarations and I can see his mouth moving a few more declarations and his head comes up and he begins to declare who he is in Christ you could see a change come over his his face and then he ended up accepting the Lord by the end of the service but the best part I mean not that you can get any better than getting saved (laughs) we had a fire tunnel And he goes through the fire tunnel. When he gets to the end, he starts screaming. And we're like, what's going on? And he goes, he had been cutting himself, so he had a lot of scars. And he goes, my scars are gone. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's redemption. (laughs) I love you, Jesus. And then another quick testimony is <laughs> we were in the UK, and this lady comes up and she said, I'm going to be going to the Bethel School of Supernatural next year. And I'm like, oh, great, that's wonderful. And she goes, I just want to give you the testimony of how it's being paid for. And I'm like, oh, I love, you know, financial miracles. So she goes, So I have this neighbor who is a witch. And, you know, but I I love on her and try to, you know, just show the love of Christ. And so they were talking one day in the front yard, and she tells her witch friend that she's going to go to this school of supernatural, you know, to learn more about God. And she goes, oh, that is so cool how much does it cost? And so she tells her, she goes, I'm going to help with that. So she gathers all her other witch friends and they pay for her to go to school. (laughs) It can be any source. (laughs) That's right. Oh, man. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I've actually heard quite a few. I mean, I have a friend who travels and speaks and does, um, she'll do videos for like third world countries where they they can't afford to fly somebody out to teach and she does that. And she had a witch friend too and her husband was a, a warlock 
but he had used to be in the filming industry, and so when they found out that she needed to do a series on healing in the Holy Spirit, he volunteered to produce it for her. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm just trying to hear Holy Spirit. I've got so many things I want to, you know, it's like, do I just do a shotgun effect? <laughs> I just keep hearing God talking to me about having a new name. You know, I love the story about Gideon and, excuse me, is it not Gideon? Jacob is where I wanted to go. Jacob, when he wrestles with the angel, and they're wrestling all night, the angel goes, you know, my shift is over, I, I have to go. And Jacob grabs him and says, I won't let you go till you bless me. And what I find interesting is that he wasn't blessed with a new tent or a new camel or whatever. He was blessed with a new name. Now, if you wanted a, to be blessed and somebody just said, okay, I'll call you something different <laughs> would that really mean anything to you but I believe that it's in our DNA to name things it's part of the thing that was given to Adam when he was created he was created to name things and I've noticed that in our because it's in our DNA we do name things all the time we call our car a piece of junk. We call, you know, well, we don't. But some people will call their children stupid. We call ourselves failures, shy. And it's so much more powerful than we know. And I feel like God wants to give some of you a new name today. Don't, you know, and you don't have to, you know, actually have people call you that unless you really feel like that, but you need to start calling yourself something different. What do you want to see? What do you want to experience in your life? You know, I, I love the fact that you, you do those declarations and you're seeing checks in the mail and stuff. But what would happen if you started calling yourself successful? What if you started calling yourself the head and not the tail? Until you started recognizing how often you're living beneath and something rises up within you. You know... I, I, I kind of get irritated sometimes when I hear people say, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a child of the king. And they think they believe it, and yet I'm looking at their life, and I can tell they don't. Because what would it really look like? 
if you were a child of a king. So one of the things that I, I, I like to do is, because I, I love emotions, I believe it actually was created by God for a purpose. The problem is, is we're too wrapped up in the negative ones. So when we say, I'm a child of the king, do you feel like one? When you come in to prayer into the presence of God, do you feel like a child of the king? You know, we've been crucified with Christ. We've been raised up together with him. And every once in a while, I'll come into prayer and I'll come to the Father and he'll, he'll just go, I don't want the dead Wendy. I want the resurrected Wendy in here. Because I'm coming in lowly, worm-like, you know, just I don't feel like who I am. If you think about when your kids come to you, you want them to come in knowing I'm your child. And so one of the things that, you know, we love talking about the lies. And so one of the lies I discovered in my life was I kept asking God, Show me your glory, you know. Show me your glory. Then one day I'm reading in the scripture when um, Moses is hidden in the rock and he's like, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And I'm reading it. And when God shows him his glory, do you know what he did? He proclaimed his goodness. and his loving kindness, and his mercy. And I was reading it, and I felt like God said, you're only able to see his glory to the measure that you're able to believe in his goodness. Because it's, it's wrapped up together. And religion has twisted what goodness looks like. I actually used to have a little thing on my phone that every day at 5 p.m., a question would pop up on my phone just to remind me to say, God, how good are you? This year, let's find out how good he is. What if he is so good? You know, I tend to think, yeah, I feel so prosperous until I read, he's going to bless you according to the riches in his glory. I'm just rich compared to someone down the road. But am I rich according to who he is? And I'm not just talking finances, obviously. But that is part of it. If we don't believe God wants to bless us, He's only able to bless us what, what we can have faith for. And there's something, and this is why this is shotgun. <laughs> I feel like God wants to bless this church financially in a big way, but you're going to have to prepare yourself 
to be able to receive it. You're going to have to change your mindset. It's not like you guys have a poverty spirit or anything, but God wants to take you further. I remember when God told me, Wendy, you're only able to receive what you think you're worth. And after he did that, and that, that's for finances, favor, anointing, everything. You're only able to receive from him what you think you're worth. And so I actually have him occasionally. He'll say, Wendy, I want to promote you, but I can't get it to you because you still need to raise up the value that you have for yourself. You have to do it on purpose. It doesn't come from achieving something. Because I know a lot of people who have achieved the pinnacle of success, but they don't feel worthy of where they are. That's why a lot of famous people commit suicide. Because their outer environment is higher than their inner environment. And that's really hard to live with because you're thinking people are expecting stuff from you that you don't think you have. And I remember God telling me, Wendy, you have to stop trusting that voice in you that thinks that you don't have anything. He said, I want you to start believing the people who are telling you, you are great at this, and you're really good at this. You have an anointing for this. Because I used to, oh, yeah, thank you for saying that. But inside, I rejected it. Because right. yeah. I would think, oh, well, I, I did have a moment where I was anointed. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't make it as an identity. Instead, I was using the one failure when nothing happened when I prayed, and I used that for my identity. You get to choose which experience is going to create your identity. But most people choose their negative experience. And they repeat it over and over in their mind. I remember hearing somebody say that success <clears throat> is not a goal to be achieved, it's a state of being. And they actually did a study where they were trying to figure out, they, they found people who started with nothing and then became millionaires and then lost all their money and became millionaires again sometimes two or three times. And so in this study, they wanted to figure out why is it that some people can have nothing and become a millionaire two or three times when the average person will never do it even once? Good study. And, and I, I love when secular studies just prove the word of God. So... <laughs> They're studying, they're trying to figure out what's different about these people. And I'll never forget what they came up with. They said, wealthy people don't believe they're wealthy because they have money. They have money 
because they think they're wealthy. In other words, they didn't use the money as the identity. They believed that they were so wealthy on the inside with ideas and favor and, and um, good character. They believed that who they were created wealth. It's a state of being. I pray that your soul would prosper, that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. Most of us are living at the level that we think we're worth. With favor, finances, anointing. What if God's not waiting for you to get your life together to anoint you? He's waiting for you to believe you're worth being anointed. It's a big difference. Trust me. <laughs> I spent the first 15 years of my Christian life trying to be worthy enough to be anointed. I mean, I prayed for hours. I read my Bible. I, I tried to do everything I could because, I, you know, not just for show, but you want to help people. Right? There's nothing worse than seeing hurting people and I can't do anything about it. So I, I was crying out for years for this anointing and I'm just, God, show me what else to do. Nothing's happening. I'm still the same. And he goes, Wendy, it's not that hard to be anointed. And I'm like, well, then what is the problem? I'm like, it's not. And he goes, no, even a handkerchief can do it. <laughs> Remember Acts 19? The handkerchiefs, they were just sitting around in the presence of anointed people, and they got anointed. These handkerchiefs and aprons were healing the sick and delivering them from demons. A handkerchief can't even talk. What's the difference? This. What if we just came into God's presence and became handkerchiefs? What if our belief system was that I can just soak up that anointing because God is so desperate to heal the sick and set captives free. He actually, you know, he knew I was in this performance mode and he said, Wendy, I can't wait until you get to some level of perfection that you think you need. Can I use you now? What if we started believing we could carry it? I had a, um, when Steve and I were pastoring, we had a, a prophetic guy come to our church to speak, and very prophetic. 
And he's giving all these great words to people, and then he looks at me and tells me to stand up, and I'm like, okay. And he goes, you have a typhoid Mary anointing. Nice. I'm like, I thought these were supposed to be good. And because, I don't know if you know who Typhoid Mary is, but in the 1800s, when typhoid was really being spread around, they had to find out who was carrying it. And they discovered that this lady named Mary was a carrier of the disease without any symptoms. And he said, so the prophetic guy says, you have this Typhoid Mary um, anointing, and he must have saw my face because he goes, no, 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 it's good, it's good. He said, you're a carrier of the anointing, but you don't have any symptoms. And I realized a lot of us Christians are sitting around waiting for a symptom that we are anointed. It's like in the 90s when... Toronto was really taking off. Steve and I went. And uh, back then in Toronto during the outpouring, they would have workshops and everybody would split up. And so I went to the intercessors workshop. And Carol Arnott was leading it. And towards the end, she talked about a dream she had where it, huge angel with a huge giant sword came and gave her a sword of intercession and then he told her to pass it on so after the message she got us all in a big circle and she said I'm going to prophetically pass this intercessory sword to you so there's about 50 of us in a big circle she goes around and you know how prophetic people are they grab the hands and they would receive the sword and they would start manifesting. Some were fighting invisible things and <laughs> others couldn't even lift the sword. I mean, there was all these manifestations. And she gets to me and she hands me the sword and nothing happens. And so I'm like, you know how we are. What's wrong with me? <laughs> There's something uniquely wrong with me. I'm not having any symptoms. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I'm not an intercessor. You know, may, you know, doubted this whole thing. So we go back to Nevada where we were pastoring. And about three months later, and obviously, you know, when we came back, I didn't share, yeah, you know, they passed out intercessory swords and I didn't get one. You know, you, you don't share those testimonies. So I never really told anything, anybody about it. But I'm leading this intercessory group on Thursdays, and it's both men and women. And this new guy gets saved. He was a cowboy. He'd never been in church in his life. Um, and really, the only reason he got saved was he lived really remotely, and this was a long time ago. You know those big satellite dishes that they used to have? Well, he had one that you had to go out and crank to move to the satellite you wanted to watch which station. And it got stuck on a Christian station. 
And he was having demonic stuff attacking him. So he was kind of in fear, confusion, not knowing what's going on. So his satellite gets stuck on Christian network and he gets saved. And he ends up coming to our church. So he knows nothing about renewal, revival, prophetic. I mean, if you handed him um, a songbook hymnal, he wouldn't have known how to read the course. So he comes, and I knew he was prophetic, partly because he had had so much demonic stuff going on in his life. So he comes, and we're praying over him, and all of a sudden I hear God go, give him the sword you got in Toronto. And I'm like, um, <clears throat> don't you remember? I didn't get one. <laughs> I didn't get it. And she, God just kept telling me, give him the sword, give him the sword. So finally, you know, sometimes you just do this to get God off your back. <laughs> so I, I remember what Carol Arnott did. So I, I grab his hands and I say, I feel like God's told me to give you a sword for intercession. So I grab his hands and I say exactly what Carol Arnott said. <laughs> and he starts manifesting exactly like they did in Toronto. And I'm like, oh, I am typhoid Mary. What if we didn't wait for proof? What if we began to declare, I mean, just like we, you declare checks in the mail and people are starting to get checks, what if we start declaring, I am so anointed, my prayers are powerful and effective. People are saved. When I say peanut butter, Stretch it. What do you need to begin to believe to see change in your life? Because if you want to see something different in your life, you're going to need a new belief system. The belief system that got you where you are won't get you out. Does that make sense? With, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want transformation, you must believe something different than you currently believe. And that's not just for getting out of crisis, it's for going further. You may have perfectly good beliefs and you could probably even settle and have a great life until you die. But is that what you want? Or would you like to become all that you were created to be? And how great were you created to be? You know, I'm totally convinced that just prophesying and even healing the sick is low-level thinking for a new creation such as you. When God, I shared this yesterday, but I want to share a little more of the story. When, because I was so afraid of being, of 
of stealing God's glory. I thought I had to make myself small so I wouldn't take any glory from God. And then he said, Wendy, you can be as glorious as you want. And I was kind of like, well, that doesn't sound right. You know, all my Christian life, I've been told to fear looking great. And he said, don't worry, you'll never come close. The only people who are worried about stealing God's glory are the ones who don't know how glorious he is. And so I had this picture when God was talking to me about this of, you know how when you, well, if you haven't had kids, you don't, but maybe you experience this. But parents always, when their kids are growing up, they try to help them not just be a consumer in the family, but to be a part of you know, keeping the family going. For Steve and I, when our kids were little, we had one of the first jobs was for them to empty all of the small trash baskets into the main trash can. So I get this picture of father, son, Holy Spirit, and they're just really pleased. They've got all these children, you know, newly saved kids in the kingdom. And the father says, what can we do, you know, to help them feel a part and to, to, you know, give something back in the family? And Jesus is like, I know, I know. And God's like, what, what, what should we have them do? Why don't we tell them to heal the sick and raise the dead? And God goes, yeah, take out the trash. In God's economy, what if healing cancer and raising the dead and casting out demons is the small part of being a new creation? But because we've put it on this pinnacle, oh, only really powerful Christians do that. What if we raised the stakes of what a powerful Christian looks like? Yeah. It used to be, I, I think it's changed, but it used to be anytime somebody was anointed like with healing or the prophetic, we used to put them in leadership because we thought that if they were being used supernaturally, it was God's stamp of approval on them. That's like saying, oh, you know, for a human, they walk, they breathe. Let's put them in leadership. <laughs> That's not the qualification for leadership. I think freedom is the quality. Wow. Freedom from whatever addiction, whatever, you know, even freedom from performance, <laughs> freedom from pride, from hopelessness. Freedom, I think, is the biggest quality because that's what everybody else wants. And if you've got it, 
people are going to follow you. That and hope. My husband always says that hope is the first quality for leadership. And we learned that because when we first started um, being senior leaders, we didn't have any hope. I mean, except for in the sweet by and by. You know, <laughs> millennium. <laughs> and uh, we discovered that people don't want to follow anyone without hope. They just don't. When we were hopeless, we had nobody going, oh, we want what you have. A leader isn't a leader because they know more than other people. They just have something everybody else wants. And they want to know how to get there. Told you this was shotgun. <laughs> so I do want to mention Gideon too because one of the things that really amazes me is when God sent the angel and called Gideon a mighty warrior. And again, remember, it's a new name. It's called, he's called something different than what he's actually experienced. And like I said earlier in the conference, we don't get our identity from what we've done. We get it from what we were created to do. When I when God told me I was an author and I began to declare that, well, first I started declaring that I was a writer and that I write books and nothing happened for five years. And God said, change your declaration. So I'm like, well, what else can you say? And he said, I want you to begin to call yourself an author. And I remember arguing and thinking, but an in the dictionary, an author is someone who's actually written books. I haven't written one yet. And he said, just start declaring that you're an author. And then he said, he, you know, the whole thing about an apple tree is still an apple tree, even if it's never had apples. And if it dies before it has apples, it's still an apple tree. And so God told me, he said, Wendy, if you die and go to heaven before you've written a book, in heaven you'll still be known as an author. Because it's not about what you did, it was about what I created you to do. You were just an author that didn't give forth fruit. One of the things about that that set me free is Man, if I was created to write books, how hard can it be? Right? If you're created to do what God's called you to do, the only thing in your way is your, your striving. It should be easy. Relax. Let it flow out of you. Believe it's going to flow out of you. That this is who I am. Give yourself a name. You, you can't consistently do what you don't believe you are. So whatever it is that you've been wanting to see in your, your life, give yourself that new name. So Gideon has the angel encounter, gives him the new name, tells him he's going to deliver the people. And... 
He does. I mean, to the point, he believed it so strongly that when God started trimming the army down, he still believed it. And one of the things that interests me is when he, when they, the 300 get around the army that they were going to defeat, he says, in the name of God and of Gideon, He'd be cast out of the church if he did that. We're the only ones afraid of having a name. You will not serve the church by becoming small. We have to be okay with the rising and shining to believe that we can deliver. And I remember... God saying, you know, Wendy, do you believe you can deliver a nation? And, you know, I, I would like to say I said yes. <laughs> or change a nation, however you want to put it. And he said, you need to find out what lie you're believing that limits you from being that powerful. And one of the things when I started asking that question was I realized, oh, you have to be like a Reinhardt Bonnke or a Billy Graham, you know, with this great platform to be able to change a nation. And God said, that's your lie. You've limited yourself to a nation-changing thing looking like this. And then he took me to David when he defeated Goliath. And, and this just, it changed my life. Because he said, I want you to notice that David delivered the people by killing Goliath, not with his worship, not with his faithfulness, or all the things that we know were great about David. He defeated Goliath with a secular hobby called slingshot. And God said, Wendy, if you will give me, don't, don't care if it's secular, but if you will give me your passion of what you love to do, I can deliver a nation through it. I don't care if your passion is flowers. Raise your expectation. God can do it. We had a lady in Weaverville that she loved flowers, so she would use her own time, her own money, and she'd go onto Main Street and plant beautiful flowers. And one day I was driving by some that I knew that she had planted, and God said, She's raised the town's vision of itself and brought beauty. I believe that beauty, you know when it says um, to, in, in Psalm, shoot, you know, the, um, he restores my soul. He leaves me, yeah, <laughs> that one. I believe one of the ways he restores our soul is through beauty. 
And if you're drawn to beauty and you like to create beauty, don't minimize what you're doing. It's important. If your job right now is cleaning toilets, have great faith for cleaning toilets. You know, the next person who sits on this toilet is going to have an encounter with Jesus. Whoever sits on this one is going to have healing. I guarantee that if you had that kind of faith for cleaning toilets, people would line up outside your restroom. No, I'm serious. Steve and I used to think, oh, we, you know, we want to do something great for God. And God's like, why don't you just do what you're doing with great faith? Faith is visionary. Ask God, how can you use what I got in my hand? What can I believe that would just totally transform the city just because you can use it? Why not? I had an artist friend who used to love to go to the New Age festivals and bring her art. But what she would do is she would paint then she would hear a name from the father for who that painting's for, write it on the back, and then people would come and they'd be looking at the paintings and she would just know, ah, this painting's for you. And then she'd say, what's your name? And they'd give their name and then she'd turn it around and she goes, yeah, I've got your name on here. Give them a prophetic word. We need to enlarge our vision. Believe in our anointing. Start, you know, instead of making yourself small, this is the season we have to make ourselves big. It's not a time to withdraw. It's a time to expand. We have to get over that religious thinking about being small. God is so big. He is not worried. He is not intimidated by your greatness. I'm running out of time. So, Father, let's just have a little moment where we Think about something that you love to do. Father, we have nation-delivering anointings in this room. You said that I am anointed to open prison doors and proclaim liberty. So I proclaim liberty and the opening of prison doors for each person here to step into their greatness, out of their small thinking, out of their false name and false humility. The whole earth is groaning for the revealing of who you are, of who you are, who you are. Father, I thank you that you're going to instill in us a state of being that we actually feel like royalty. We actually feel as we're above and not beneath.
that when we walk into the room, it's with a new confidence of who we are in Christ. This church is going to have a great influence on new agers, but also on everybody who's been hurt by religion that tried to become what they thought they were and they were squashed. And you're going to have an anointing. You're just going to find, and it's not just the pastors, it's the whole body here. Even some of you who feel like, well, I can't talk, I don't know the Bible well enough, you're not going to need it. You're going to be a handkerchief. They will be drawn to you, and words will just come out of your mouth as needed. They will see something on you. Don't try to become something. Just be. Just be in his presence. Just be one with all of who he is. You can do it, and he wants to use you now because there's an influx coming because people are hungry for the more. They don't want religion. They want to see the realm of the spirit working in Christians' lives. So bless this church, Father. I thank you that a new building is on its way. And it's going to be a very strategic building in the right spot. He's already preparing the people that are hungry and wounded. They're, they're, they're already there. Now God just has to get you guys there. So Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Our eyes are not on us. They're on you. In Jesus' name, amen.